They ask deep questions. What is a dream? Why do we have toes? Why is the moon round? What's the birthday of the world? Why is grass green? They just bubble right out of the We're happy to have you joining us for the QA Talk Show. This is a show where you can ask any question, no matter how embarrassing or silly or basic or whatever you think the question may be, with no judgment. A lot of us probably have the exact same questions, but for whatever reason, we're too afraid to ask. Each show will focus on a different topic, invite your questions, and be joined by guests to answer your questions. This is a non-judgmental space. The topic of this Q&A talk show, episode four, is activism artwork and how to get started in block printing. Creating block prints can be super simple and the technique can create really powerful imagery that is particularly suited to political artwork. Our guest, Jay, is a mother, gardener, and block printer who creates beautiful prints about food sovereignty, land justice, and a lot more. In this episode, Jay answers questions about how to get started in block printing, what equipment is needed, how to conceptualize images to convey a political message, and much more. So with that, let's get into this episode four of the Q&A talk show. My name's Jay. I live in the southwest of England. I'm mostly, most of my days are being a mother, but as a family community, we've just taken on a 2.6 acre field with the idea of flipping it to being a micro farm. And in my evenings, I make block prints. Could you describe the process of block printing? Block printing is really simple. All you need is something to cut your picture into, something to print your picture onto, and some ink. So you can spend as much or as little as you want on it. You can go incredibly low tech. There's a book someone's published of how to do lithography in your kitchen with nothing but kitchen paper and Diet Coke. Someone else is making block prints by chopping up cereal packets, or you can go fully detailed, you can um, engrave into metal with presses. But I think for me, the most basic level is having a block of wood or a block of lino, a gouge, uh, something to roll ink onto, something to cut your picture out with and some paper. With a lot of art forms, you can feel that you have to buy all the equipment to be able to do it. But actually, I spent a lot of time when I was learning block printing using things like the back of spoons and rolling pins. It's, it, it's really liberating to not feel you have to buy the equipment. Um, and I also think there's something to be said for not buying the equipment that the first two years I was block printing and, and selling art through that time, I was using a starter kit, a starter gouge, the little knife that you use for cutting out the lino um, with interchangeable heads. It was incredibly basic. And I think learning how to push tools as far as you can go, you learn a lot more. How do you kind of sketch out a design and cut that out? I think lots of people do it differently. But for me, I find that I draw and I draw and I draw until I have an idea of what it is I want to block print. I then take that drawing and I trace it out on tracing paper or um, like greaseproof paper, whatever's there, anything that's cheap and easy. And once it's been traced, you burnish it onto your block. I'd say for beginning, lino is the easiest way to learn. It's really forgiving. Um, once you get into wood, wood can be, is beautiful to work with, but you have to consider the grain of the wood. You've got your lino, you've burnished your design onto your lino, and then you use a gouge, which is like a scooping knife. And everything you don't want to print, you scoop out. So the space around your letters, the space around your pictures, the detail, all just gets cut away. And at the end, you're left with, it, it's helpful to think of it like a rubber stamp. And you then put your ink onto it. You need something to roll your ink out onto. Um, it's going to just be a piece of plastic. 
I think people have used picture frames, anything with glass. I now have a piece of tempered glass, but again, there are plenty of things in your house that would do the job. Um, and once you've rolled it out with your roller, you roll it onto your, onto your block, cover it nicely. I used to heavily ink everything until someone told me that you roll it out until it resembles orange peel. So you get that lovely kind of grainy thinness. You put it onto your block, you put your paper on your block, you can use your press, your rolling pin, your wooden spoon to then push the bit of paper down on your block to squidge all the ink onto it, pull it off and you have your print. You can buy art grade lino from shops. I'm, plenty of people use actual linoleum and you can buy cheap pieces of vinyl. It's, it's, a, it's a plasticky substance you can cut into. It creates a really uniform print. It doesn't tend to crack very easily. Whereas if you're carving into something like a wood block, if you go against the grain, it's really easy to chip out pieces that you actually wanted on your drawing. It's more like carving into something gummy and rubbery. And it's really lovely for making marks. If you're going for, for fine detail, the wood allows you to put more detail into the block. Let's talk about the first step someone should take to begin printing. What would you recommend? The very first step, somebody maybe is attending a protest or has a, an idea already. What would you say the first step someone should take? My advice, I, I wish I wasn't suggesting this because I think being able to support individual makers is, is a wonderful way to work. But actually to start out, I would just recommend buying a cheap block printing kit. Speed will make them. It has everything you need in to get started and to know if it's something you love and want to continue with. I definitely don't feel that you need to spend a lot of money to start doing this. And that's, that's sort of the magic of it, is that even if it's incredibly rough and ready, it's still wonderful. So yeah, I, I'd recommend that. Cheap kit and watching a lot of YouTube videos. And there's so many beautiful books. I, I did it on my own without buying books, without doing YouTube. And I remember the first print I pulled, I'd spent hours carving this ludicrous map with all these birds on it. And I was so excited to pull it. And I hadn't reversed a single thing on it. It was, all the lettering was backwards. So uh, I'd recommend reading a little bit. <laughs> I think also things that are quick. I, I think that it can be really, particularly in the world of Instagram, where everyone feels like they have to be an expert at things straight away. There's a huge amount of speed needed to keep up. And actually, I think that taking time to experiment is a really important part, to play with shapes, to play with mark making, to see what something does before before going in and making, you know, a beautiful poster, actually sometimes taking time to play with things is very exciting. I, I made a lot of rubber stamps when I was starting. I don't think I'd necessarily choose that now because there's this huge amount of waste in that, but still taking the time to carve on offcuts and see what they did was, was part of the process for me. When I look at prints that people have made, including yours, the sort of analog nature of them is really well suited to different, really striking political imagery. What are your thoughts about that? What are your thoughts on block printing being particularly suited for different forms of activism art? I think that art is always deeply political, even if it, because it's always a product of the time you're living in. It's never made in isolation. You need to have the freedom of thought, uh, freedom of expression, I suppose, freedom to be able to put your art out there. Block printing particularly is exciting because I think that printmaking has always had a history of protests. So when you think of the printing revolutions, the print press democratised information. It, it allowed a, a, a medium of the masses, like a visual language. So you were able to give news and truth, as well as rumour and gossip, everything else to, to everyone is accessible. I mean, you look at banners at protests, it doesn't require, it, it's not about technical ability. It's not even about the individual images or the messages, but the power behind the two. 
And I think something as raw and connected as block printing ties into that power and energy really well. I suppose it's also, for me, the most basic, simple way of getting your your image, your message out there. So I know that you can print things digitally, you can photocopy your posters, all of those things are easy and accessible. But actually, there is still a cost on that cheap technology. Someone somewhere still takes that, it bears the brunt of that. Um, whereas block printing feels like a kitchen table revolution. You know, it's a low-tech reproduction. It's all in your hand. It can be as off-grid as you like it. it only needs you and these resources you can support a whole community and connected group of of people making with their hands every part of it can rely on a different artisan you can create a community of artists whilst using block printing that people are reviving old ways of making inks there's small companies small groups of people that are foraging using pigments to make natural inks that whereas I think if you make something digitally or in other yeah digitally let's say that you don't it, it's in isolation whereas I think block printing allows you to connect with other people who share similar ethos um, so if you're doing engraving for example making the engraving block is as much of an art form as it is actually doing the engraving that there are people that spend their lives building these you know beautiful blocks sanding them finishing them all perfectly so, so inks as well, that there's quite a few little company, uh, companies, groups of people that are popping up making natural inks, so with forage things, like local. So ghoul inks, for example, so oak ghouls, um, there's a parasitic wasp that makes a, um, a ghoul on an acorn, and that can make an, a beautiful dark ink. And I think it's something like monks were doing hundreds of years ago, and people are generating these back as inks. So of course you can buy, you know, the cheap speedball inks to get started, but to know that as you change how you want to work or progress, that there are, there are, there are communities there of people that you can support through your work. It's not all in isolation. And there's also lovely projects like in Bristol, Cato Press, where they have huge woodcuts and they do community evenings where everyone goes and carves them together to create these community banners. Um, and I think they had them at an, one of the XR protests put up. Um, so the idea of being able to get people together to share in it feels to me very exciting. I've really enjoyed getting to know a community of people. And, you know, um, I haven't even mentioned you know, the, the art of making papers and the number of things you can choose, paper making groups. And I suppose you could do it in isolation if that's what you want to do, but it's nice to know that the communities exist and can be supported. When I'm thinking about how to use block print in terms of activism um, and for, for posters, I suppose, I've always felt that my job is to not spread myself too thinly. I think there's an awful lot to be angry about at the moment. Uh, there's an awful lot to be protest. There's, there's so much change that is needed. So I've worked really hard to think about the areas that I can most that I feel most able to make a change or to learn and to adjust and and affect things in. So first I mentioned at the start that we're starting to build up a micro farm. That's to me, land justice, food sovereignty is hugely important. And I think that probably now filters into all my work. So when thinking about block printing for activism, I'm, I'm trusting other people and supporting their work in areas that I'm not an expert in. So for me, not declaring myself an expert, but for example, I feel really strongly about fast fashion. I choose not to buy new clothes ever anymore but that's not an area that I feel comfortable talking in. So I've, I've stepped back from that. Small radical acts of living at home are, are, are everything that's so important. So, but none of these issues are new. And I find looking back through the history of protest really helpful. So for me, it's about going to see how other people have, have felt about a subject, how other people have dealt with it. 
I think also I, for me, because everything ties into land and growing, it's very easy to sit in the garden and draw constantly. How do you conceptualize the imagery that you use? And what would you say to people who are kind of struggling to come up with what designs to put out there? They maybe have a, an issue that they care about, but they don't know how to put that into imagery. I find looking back through the history of of an issue. So I can only use land justice because that that's where where my heart is at at the moment. But to see how other people have have protest, have used art to explain it. And that doesn't mean that I'm using their designs, but to feel how other people have felt an issue is really it it can clarify things. I suppose for me actually the biggest thing is again, it's not going through social media. It's I've taken lots of my motifs that I've used from things like tapestries because actually people have always cared about the natural world. It's always been a big part of art and seeing how it's been used in different mediums means that it can be inspiring without taking the risk of directly copying something. You, you can't copy a tapestry onto a block print. It will always be something that you've made new and reinterpreting it. Um, so I would say looking backwards is really helpful. For me, I find, again, because everything I do is tied into the natural world, it's outside, it's, I, I can sit outside, I, I draw constantly. And I think when I'm stuck, I find it more reassuring to go back through my work than to the work of other people. Because I think, I think it's so easy to be overly inspired and not actually doing anything with those images or, or to create work that too closely resembles other people's. It, it, it's unhelpful. Yeah, draw constantly look at look at work that isn't now that isn't contemporary um and look outside of people doing the same thing i don't i there are many like wonderful block print artists doing similar things and protest work but i try very hard not to look too closely at what they're doing whilst i'm thinking of where i want to be going there's such a speed to social media that need to make things to instagram so i'm i'm quite a useless instagrammer i think i probably average posting i don't know eight times a year um and i i always think i'll do more but actually, block printing is slow. That's, that's the magic of it. I could create them on a computer and they'd be done quicker and I could make more. But that isn't the point. These things were never meant to be done for speed. And I think Instagram, you can lose sight of the purpose of it somewhat. Could we talk about some of the images of your prints? Just expand on the inspiration for them. And then why those issues are important to you as well? Where we used to live was a 1960s ex-council house and it was built with a victory garden design in mind. So it had a small front garden, big enough to be able to grow some vegetables in. I found that immensely exciting. It's how I found my love of growing food, of feeding the family. It, it, it was a fundamental change for me. Because it was a victory garden, I went down the rabbit hole of victory garden posters. Um, so uh, for, if you're not sure, victory garden posters were the wartime propaganda of World War II when, they were, when everyone needed to grow their own food we had insecure food systems a lot like we do now where we rely heavily on imports the posters are glorious it's it's women it's women growing in their gardens it's lend a hand on the land um and it's where we are now so to be able to go back and honor those designs and work that have been previously done in a new format is really exciting my first print that I suppose that started it all off was taken very much from a Victory Garden poster, but I've updated it. I, none of the Victory Garden posters that I've seen have you know, pickling cucumbers in. There is a massive movement, isn't there, at the moment towards valuing what you can do with your hands, you know, the, the rise of homesteading and people keeping chickens, and, and it tied in very nicely. Um, so I've kept that design going for a few. More recently, my, my most recent print 
is based on a traditional cider cup design. Um, I'm beginning to realize cider cups are definitely a Somerset thing. Not many people seem to know what they are. So it's a ceramic mug normally with two handles and on the front it has a circular design and it was very much about industrial farming generally. The, the pictures would be um, possibly wheat in the middle and you'd have plows. The message would normally say Godspeed the plow and with all the tools and implements around the edge. I love them. They have a huge amount of history here but when you think how dysfunctional modern farming is, industrialised farming is about cash cropping, about monocultures, about the, the area we live in is incredibly beautiful. It, it's like a rural ideal, there's fields all around. But when you realise that you can't pick any of the chamomile that grows on the field because you've seen it being sprayed every time. Um, and when we walk the dog, we marvel at these strange little plastic things. So I suppose it's some sort of fertiliser that has been sprayed, coated all over the field. Everything here is, is a sign of the monoculture, the reducing diversity. So to be able to take a tr traditional design that comes from a method of farming that is unsustainable is, is, is hugely damaging. And to be able to turn that into something. So the, the print I'm talking about is about the historic root of inequality in Britain um, and uprooting racism in the food system. So to be able to take something traditional, which is beautiful but damaging, and to update the message to something more relevant now, I find very exciting. I've got one um, next to me here, and it was one that it tied in quite nicely at the start of lockdown, actually. It was Regeneration Starts at Home. So it's a banner top and bottom with those words written on it. But the banners I took from the Rural Life Museum and it was uh, an agricultural society display that's there. And I think there's something lovely in reusing the motifs again for something updated and being able to look back at all the handwork traditions from this area makes me feel, it's very exciting, but it also makes block printing seem more relevant. It's another handwork tradition honouring kind of older crafts, but updating them. And I suppose as well, I'm quite privileged here that we, uh, I, being in Somerset is hugely agricultural. We have a massive agricultural tradition going back. So we have agricultural museums and the designs are all tied to the land. It respects seasons, it respects growing, it respects food sovereignty, it, it's, it values that work. So it's very easy to see the when, when these posters and images still exist, you know, this many years down the line, you, you know that the messages are still important. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Q&A Talk Show. Tune in in two weeks for the next show and we'll speak to you then.